So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance Okay. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 6 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Angela rolls up to Nigeria to confront Michael. Libby and Andre watch manatees as her family flips on Andre again. Yara's friends don't hide their disdain for Jovi. Bilal has some comprehension problems at the fertility doctor's office. Liz's grandpa won't shut up with the short jokes about Ed. And Kim behaves herself enough to earn a trip to Sokoto. As always, we'll end with our students of the week, class dances, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we're covering this season of Life After Lockup. All right, thanks for listening. Stay safe and enjoy. Hello, Miss Rowe. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm cold, actually. The really? weather's awful here. Oh my god! It's just it's it's it was like in the 40s all day today, and we were supposed to have a soccer oh, game that, no. thank God, got canceled because it was also raining all day long. So yeah. it's just yeah, just really weather to match the mood for my for this show for most of it. <laughs> just like oh, this is gross. Yeah, interesting because it's been in the 70s here. So I mean that's. Per usual uh, in California. So speaking of, let's start off with our California couple, Liz and Ed. So Liz and Ed are going fishing with Liz's grandparents. Ed is nervous, even though he's met them before, because they just seem really skeptical of their relationship. And they also know about all the breakups, all eight of them. Liz's grandparents basically raised Liz, and Liz has only introduced them to, it seems like, her son's dad. It also ends up that Liz has been married two other times, and they hadn't even met her ex-husband. When asked what they have been up to, Ed makes a joke about all the sex they're having, which does not land with his grandparent. Grandma Lavina feels like Ed has been pushing Liz and pushing Liz towards this marriage. She asks Ed if they're getting married because he really, really loves her or because Liz makes him feel young. Ed says, oh, because he really, really loves her. Grandpa Richard is also a tough cookie and says he's heard all this before. Lavina very bluntly just tells him not to hurt her. Richard makes several jokes throughout the hangout about Ed's height as Ed fake laughs at every joke. Later, Liz spends a little one-on-one with her grandparents without Ed. Lavina says that she's not ready for them to get married. Richard thinks that they just all need more time. Lavina thinks that Ed will take off again, but on the other hand says that the world was against her and Richard and they seem to make their marriage last. Lavina asks if Liz is mentally prepared for taking care of Ed since he is so much older than her. Liz admits she's more scared of losing him than taking care of him. Liz tells Lavina and Richard part of the reason why they broke up so many times is because they're not really used to compromising, so it's either his way or the highway. Liz claims that if Ed even hints at a break, she is done for good. All right. So this is kind of interesting. We get a little bit more background on Liz having two failed marriages at 26, I want to say. 29. 29. Okay. So 29. eh. I mean, but that's still kind of young to be married twice and on her third marriage. (sighs) Yeah, it's not yeah, common, it's very young. I would certainly mm-hmm. say. Yeah, so uh, do you think that Liz is going to stick with this 
if he hints at a break, she's done for good, considering she's taken him back, I mean, eight times. Yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it. I'm sure I, I don't think she told him. I don't think the seventh time she was like, well, I'll take him back if he comes back. Like, I, I just feel like this is part of the cycle. Yeah. Like, and I just it just makes me worry that it's going to be like she's going to be like. You know, like Ross and friends. He was like, I can't be divorced three times. Like, <laughs> right. that, I can't do that. Like, she's going to stick this out just so she doesn't need to be divorced. Well, it can't be three divorces. Two divorces I could live with. I can't be that guy, who, that lady who's divorced three times. Right. So that does make me wonder if, you know, she's um, really going to follow through and break up with him or be done with him if he even hints at a break. Because the other thing that I think would kind of make it so she would feel like this immense pressure to stay is that everyone has been telling them they should not be together, especially after breaking up eight times. And so to break up with him at this point is basically saying to everyone, y'all were right. And I just, that's hard for anyone, right? After being so stubborn about it. Yeah, that thing about being stubborn and standing up to everybody and saying, no, this is what I'm going to do against mm-hmm. all their advice. And that, yeah, it, it kind of puts you into this us versus the world like right. mindset where you're like, well, we have to stick this through no matter what or else everybody else is right. Like we can't yeah. have everybody – can't have sacrificed so much for something that what was wrong about the whole time. Right. But I don't know. It's But it's still it's, – it's Ed though. But he's Ed. Although yeah. I did appreciate – Ed having to be on the receiving end of stupid, lame jokes. Oh, God. Richard's jokes, they weren't even good. And I kind of felt bad for Ed because it's like... I did feel kind of bad for Ed. Yeah, because you kind of know that's how he has cultured his personality is because this is not the first short joke or, you know, maybe no-neck joke that he's heard from guys like Richard. Yeah, right. And... I mean, but it's because it's usually he he goes the other way. He deflects. He's the one usually yeah. delivering the corny jokes, right? Maybe not as hurtful jokes. I don't know that we've seen him give as many like insult related right, jokes. Sure. They're very corny, uh, right? They're very lame. He has is definitely his that kind of I'd say old man sense of humor. But yeah, Richard's jokes were just mean. Oh, they for sure mean. It, it was just they, like... they were barely jokes. It was like, hey, you know, let's go over here. But you're short, right? Because you're short. Maybe right. maybe you can't get to the table because you're short, shorty. Like, I was like, that's a joke? Is that, does that even count as a joke? Right. Yeah, it was very clear and obvious that Liz's grandparents do not like this guy. And I'm not going to lie. And yeah, Richard was extra harsh. But when you open with, yeah, it's because of all the sex I was having, having with your granddaughter, it's like... Oh. You kind of open yourself up to them not liking you. Now, granted, Richard should have taken the higher road. I feel like that was after the first short joke. That he was like, oh, we're doing short jokes? Well, here's I'm banging your granddaughter jokes. Oh, and it was like. that. There's no, which, there's no reason I mean, for that ever. No, there's never a care. reason for um, um, for tell, for uh, I'm banging your granddaughter jokes. No, That's never. never. No. Yeah. that No retaliation. No, not like that, at least. No, but I mean, I did I did start to feel for Liz at the end there when she was talking about the age gap, because like, mm-hmm. you know, that that got to got me because I was like, I, that's kind of the first time I thought about it I was like, oh, my God, that is a bigger age gap than me and my parents. Yeah. Right? And most people expect to have to take care of their parents like that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
yeah, to be like, well, not only she, she, because she's on, she was raised by her grandparents, so she's gonna yeah. have to, you know, take care of them before long, and then it, it's gonna be over like that, almost like that. As soon as she's, as soon as she doesn't have to take care of them anymore, she's gonna have to take care of him. And yeah. I know she's, she is worried about the him not being there, but I don't know. It's just that, that seems that really weird. hard. Well, okay. You know, there's certain people, and I would say that she would be one of them, simply because we got a little bit of background. The reason why her grandparents uh, raised her is because her mom was taking care of her uh, disabled uh, brother. And so right. it was... Uh, so I think she's she's seen that modeled, right? Taking care of a loved one. And so I feel like that's kind of in the norm for her. Um, she probably also had child very, very young. So I can kind of see mm -hmm. that that's not much of an issue. The thing that I thought was, I don't want to say odd, but not something that I even think I would maybe necessarily think of. But then again, I'm not in that position is like thinking, oh, I just can't live without this person because they've died. Yeah. That was yeah. more of her issue. She was like, I'd be more oh, afraid sure of was. him dying it than sure having, was. having to take care of him. But I mean, I definitely feel like, you know, a lot of that goes into you and I've had the conversations a lot about how our 20s were very different, right? Because, yes. you know, I yeah. had I had children I was taking care of. And so, you know, those, those 20s. But then. I, but I've always thought that was kind of a, you know, that's the deal you make. That's the choices I made. Right, but that, right. You know, and I, I, I've been very, you know, upfront about being like, and I, that's something I did. And it's something I'm glad I did. And it's something that at some point in the, oh, geez, not too distant future is not going to be my responsibility anymore. And it just right. seems, it just seems like it would be a really hard life because she was younger than I was, clearly. Right. Yeah. She's only 29 now. Yeah. To kind of go through that part of your life and just take care of the person who was younger than you. And then by the time they're gone, it's like time to take care of your partner. Like right. in that thing. And so at what point do you get to do the fun stuff and have the time for you and get to be, you know, have have things that are where your life is focused on yourself? You know, Yeah. I mean, I think some people just don't really know what they're missing out on. And maybe it's for the best. Like they just never know a life of being able to be completely selfish and doing whatever the heck they want, you know? And so because they don't really realize they're missing that in their life, it's like they never miss it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing. And it's just that it just seems like and that's the one thing I think of about the age differences. And I don't think people I think it's hard to have a big age gap and difference because you have generational differences, you know, just the life experiences you had that are totally different from each other. It's it's really hard to find a good, really good match from somebody with a different age. I'm not mm -hmm. judging that, but it was like, man, it just seems really hard when you get to retirement time, especially if you choose somebody, if you're like, and you choose somebody so much younger, when you like retire right. and you're like, well, no, I, they still have to work for 20 more years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> While I'm retired. Yeah. We've so seen that with Jenny and Simmet. I Jenny mean, they're not. You get the same kind of similar things, even though right. they're, they're both more into each other and have a more stable relationship than Ed and Liz do. Right? Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, let's talk about Libby and Andre. So Libby and Andre take Ellie and Andre's dad to the aquarium instead of going to Libby's mom's birthday. Andre's dad has never seen a manatee before because, you know, in Moldova, they're landlocked. Andre reminds his dad about all the family Libby drama, and he says that you can't force a relationship. 
Libby says that the older they get, the more she realizes how her family can negatively affect her. At Pam's birthday, Pam wants to thank everyone for putting aside their differences to attend. Pam thinks that Libby would want to come to the birthday, but that Andre is the one forbidding her not to go. The whole family thinks that Andre is the one calling the shots, and Libby's just too scared to stand up to him. However, Becky and Jen both bring up to Pam that they're not comfortable, and they actually do have anxiety about Charlie being there, since there was a lot of drama at the last family event they were at, which, if you recall, was a barbecue at Chuck's house where Chuck was sobbing at the end. Jen says that this party is not about reconciliation, but about creating boundaries for the sake of civility. Charlie and his family then show up, and Charlie tells us that he wants to get answers about why the family decided to cancel him. He's very polite to Becky and Jen as they make small talk about their growing kids, and they then then comment about how it's been a while, and Charlie tries to get answers for them. Becky points out that Charlie's behavior while drinking has made it difficult to be around him, but Charlie points out that everybody drinks at these family events. He then defends his actions at Chuck's barbecue about his fight with Andre. The sisters aren't trying to defend Andre, so Becky's husband says hashing out the past and trying to solve everything today just isn't happening. Charlie says that the common issue is Andre, not him. And then they all start to jump on the bandwagon and agree that Andre is the common enemy here. Charlie says he's felt like he's been kicked out of the family, but the sisters assure him that they will always love him. They then turn everything around on Andre and said that he's the one keeping Libby away from the rest of the family, and he's the one taking advantage of Chuck and trying to muscle into the family business and causing all this drama between all the siblings. Charlie thinks that they really do blame Andre, but they're afraid of confronting him because they'll all get canceled like him. All right, so why do you think this turned into a Andre hate fest? Because that's all this family knows how to do. Mm-hmm. Like, all of them are, I, I, was, I saw this on Reddit. It was like an Ask Reddit or something. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, how can you tell? What's a sure sign that someone's an asshole? And like, number one is nothing is ever their fault. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the number one. And this entire family, nothing is ever our fault. So if <laughs> sure. something's gone wrong... It's got to be that whatever changed from our family situation, it's got to be this new guy. Must be him. Yeah. Can't, can't be any other explanation. Can't be my fault. I couldn't have done anything wrong. Right. I couldn't have treated my Libby's husband like shit and made, drove her away from us. No, no, no. It must be this guy. control, Like marionette controlling her emotions and making her feel some kind of way. Like ugh, it was it was so ridiculous. I thought it was ridiculous how quickly Becky and Jen turned from – well, we don't agree with what Charlie did at the barbecue and, you know, we're uncomfortable being around him drunk to, yeah, burn Andre. It was just like how quickly they turned and it just merely took a suggestion from Charlie. Yeah, well, I mean, they're they're always ready to, they were always ready. Last week, Becky said maybe he'll get deported. That would be great. I know, right? That was messed up. Like, so it's not like they're very, they need much convincing that it was Andre. And then Charlie yeah. knows, like, how do I can, how can I convince him it's me? I don't have to do that. I just have to say, like, well, let's just all gang up on Andre instead. Let's yeah. do that. And they're like, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do that. And especially because he's not there to defend himself. Right, right. It's very true, but. You know, I mean, they've even said, you know, our beef with Andre has nothing to do with our beef with Charlie. But it kind of made it seem like it does. Like they only really have to hate one person at a time. Yeah, I don't. 
And the thing was, is they're like, well, neither of you acted very well. And I was like, actually, I don't know. I don't know if Andre really did much wrong in the barbecue. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 like, and I know Andre didn't do it. And it's funny because they keep bringing up the barbecue and they keep overlooking the part that were like, you went to a wedding in his country, stole the microphone sure. and called him a freeloader in front of his whole family. And then they're like, well, I never yeah. did anything wrong. It's like, I think it might be, there might be a legitimate reason he doesn't like you. Like, <laughs> right, like right. for a long lasting time. That's one of those things that just, that, that might stick around for a little bit. And they literally never, they talk about the barbecue fight, but they never bring up, Charlie, you called him a freeloader in his country. <laughs> In front of his yeah. entire family. But I think the sisters weren't there, right? Isn't that why? I thought they were. Oh, one of the sisters was. I think one of the sisters was pregnant. Yes. One of the sisters was pregnant. That's why she didn't go. Yeah. But I think the other one was there. And I think at least Libby would have been like, guys, did you hear what? Did you? Because they've seen the show, right? Even if right. they weren't there, they saw drunken Charlie take the microphone. And that's the thing, too, is like, like it doesn't matter. <sighs> yeah. It, the, the drinking thing, too, is just like, well, that's our family. We all get shit-faced to do stupid things. So we're supposed to just not do that anymore? What? You're like, yes. And I'll, or else I'll be canceled? This is ridiculous. Like, such a jackass. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> all right. So moving on to – oh, we have plenty of jackasses to choose from. Yes. Let's go to Kim and Usman first. So – Usman is late getting ready because he can't stop dancing in the bathroom mirror, which I just imagine is him literally every morning just <laughs> dancing in the bathroom mirror and looking at his stomach. So it's a big birthday, the big birthday bash he's been planning and also a test to see if Kimberly will behave. So if she doesn't, then they won't go to meet his family in Sokoto. So they get to the club and meet up with all the boys and Kim knows what's up. She plans to be on her best behavior so that she'll be allowed to go meet his family. She's met some of them before and even KB, the guy who has multiple wives um, and was there for the whole milkshake throwing thing, he's there. So she first takes him aside to talk to him and apologize for her behavior. But he's not too worried about it though because he's ridiculously misogynistic and thinks that, eh, that's just the way bitches be. Like all females <laughs> are jealous by nature. They just can't help it. And of course, you can't, that's to be expected. So before long, that that jealousy is that jealousy is again tested because uh, uh, Usman's friend Ali is Ali, Ali is there, and she's a her. So Kim doesn't want to be jealous, but she thinks that this woman is like she is like this woman's everything or not. She's gorgeous. She has dark skin. She's young, uh, and she's jealous. So yeah. Usman tells us that she's a friend and kind of works on his PR, and that he hopes that you know. Kim can be getting used to having women around because, you know, he's a big celebrity and all. So Kim then switches her seats to be closer and to be able to talk to Ali, who reassures her that this relationship is completely platonic. So Ali thinks that Kim is cool and all, but, you know, not on the level of a celebrity like Soja Boy who can get whoever he wants in Nigeria. But as the drinks and the toasts and everything come out, everything stays cool. So he's getting more confident that that he can take her to his family. So the next day, everything went well with the birthday. So Usman says, that's great. Let's that I, you've passed the test. You can come see my family. But before that, she, he wants to take her out to a nice dinner. Well, a nice dinner after they talk about all the crazy boom, boom, sex, headboard, banging stuff. Like they haven't let us know that that happened last night. So Kim now wants to talk about the second wife thing again. 
this time without fighting. So she that's what's going to be happening at dinner. So she's ready for the conversation this time and has written down questions. So the food they order comes before the questions and it's like not good for her hangover and too spicy for her. And so she's probably hungry while she's asking these questions is what I'm saying. So anyway, question number one, who gets to pick the wife? Question number two, do I have to do with anything of the kids? Which ends up, she actually changes her mind about that because she doesn't want to see the kids at all. And then Usman was like, well, what if I didn't want to meet your kid? That would suck. And she was like, oh yeah, good point. All right. (laughs) So anyway, then you get to question number three. Where is this woman going to be from? And that's where things go to shit because she says, you can't have a woman that's from America. And he, she thinks that's too close to home. America is her territory. But he thinks if I find a house, a woman that's willing in America, that's, that's, I don't understand why I couldn't have that. So then we get to what was promised and where. She insists that he promised her that it would only be somebody in Nigeria and they start arguing about and they start arguing about the relative percentages that each person is sacrificing for the other one. Oh, so he says he's 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 80% giving up things and she's only 20% giving up things, but she thinks it's more like 60 and like it's uh, I don't even know how you calculate these percentages, but they they had them right in hand. So she doesn't like that he's acting like he is a prize to be won. Right? So because it even comes down. She asks, what are you giving up to be with me? And he was like, I'm giving up all the other women I could be with. And she <laughs> rightly points out that that doesn't count. <laughs> That's the thing that you're giving up. You can't say you can't say that. So anyway, so back to the second wife. He says he won't take any restrictions on what his, on his right to choose a wife. So she could be from Africa, America, Jamaica, Europe. And he doesn't really take it well when she points out that you know, he can't even get to half of those places. So how are you getting a woman from Europe oh or Jamaica or America for that case? All right. So we, we come back there. So, I mean, how do you feel about Usman's idea that she asks what he's given up and he says, I've given up. I could have any woman in the world. Any woman, any woman in the world, <laughs> Miss H, is who who's Soldier Boy could get. And he gave them – that's what he's giving up. That's the 80% that he's giving up. Well, I mean <sighs> – I think that mentality is an issue, right? He thinks he's better than her for whatever reason, whether it's age, look, celebrity, whatever. He thinks that he's better than her. And that's not a partnership. And that is a very problematic statement because he doesn't see them as equals. And I mean, she should acknowledge that as well. Um, I don't think even think it matters what he's sacrificing. The fact that he thinks of himself as being so above her, um, you know, that he's he's literally sacrificing all the other women he could be with. It's just like, no, no, guy. So... No, but that's I, – I feel like that's specifically why he chooses who he chooses is because mm-hmm. he wants to have that attitude. I don't have to do any work in this relationship. I did all the work just by agreeing to it. Yeah. That's all the work I need to do. I gave up so much just to agree to this relationship that any of the nuts and bolts about living arrangements or or what who's, – who's doing what or the, even the chores or anything, that's on you because I already made my sacrifice just by picking your ugly ass is basically what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I think that's definitely how he treats this relationship because, you know, when it comes to actual tangible things, like 
she's the one bankrolling everything. If he really has celebrity, shouldn't he have some money too? I noticed that she was wearing a ring on her, uh, you know, her fingers and both of them. So it's not even a confusion as to which one's the marriage finger or whatever. But, you know, it's like, I don't know if I can imagine him buying her a ring at this point. It seems like she's, it's a BYOR situation. Like, bring your own ring. We'll get yes. engaged, but you got to buy your own shit. Yeah, I, I, no, she bought him the, the 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 PlayStation and the MacBook this time. He hasn't, I, I guarantee the he hasn't pitched in for any of her trips. Yeah. I right? mean, the thing is that she's he did her get her something. Yeah, he did get her like the stuffed animal, which was cutesy. But it's like, eh, all right. Yeah, that was a thought that counts things. He's yes. not spending any money. Like, right. And that's the one thing that goes is like they keep saying he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity. Yeah. You know, he's a celebrity. But like usually it's lifestyles of the rich and famous. Mm-hmm. And people like want the rich part. Right. <laughs> and the famous part is nice. But like it, it, it keeps stretching, you know, stretching the imagination how famous this guy really is if he never has any money. Right. Okay, so I wanted to talk about two things having to do with the birthday. One um, is more of a question. So Kim was being affectionate with Usman at the club. And isn't his whole thing like you can't be affectionate in public? Is the club not considered public? I don't know. Because I don't – I wasn't – were there other people in the club besides his party or was it like one of those I, things yeah, that they rented out? I couldn't really tell because she was kissing him and I was like, wasn't that the big thing? Like at the airport, he wasn't allowed to like kiss her or something yeah, like so that. I, wa- I just wonder if it's a different vibe when it's like, oh, in these a club. are. And, or it's only people who already know we're together. Right. I think the not kissing me was like, uh, oh, I don't no, I thought it was a religious thing. He said, I, that's what he said. Right, right. I think he was full of shit. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's also a religious thing. If he's Muslim, he's at a club drinking. Like, right. okay, well, we already that's know. True. Okay, that makes more <laughs> sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the other thing is, is Kim made a big deal about making amends with KB because KB witnessed her throwing a drink. I thought the other friends that were at the party also witnessed Kim throwing a drink. Like in oh yes in Zanzibar yes, yes they so saw it's the kind water. Of like, mm-hmm. Who hasn't seen Kim throw a drink at Usman? Like, do we need a mass yeah. apology here? Yeah, I don't know. I just I I really could not get over him being like, well, no, I thought it was. I didn't think much of it because uh, women are crazy like that, and that's what the kind of thing that they do. It must be expected that they're. I'm like, holy crap, man! <laughs> I mean. It, this is a guy that we literally already know has multiple wives, so maybe yeah. it's not crazy that he's super misogynistic, but it was right. like, I was not expecting him to say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um. So let's move on to uh, some baby drama, I guess, question mark. Yeah. Uh, we've got Malal and Shida. So for some reason, we get like a couple minutes of Shida brushing the hell out of her teeth and tongue and going on about why she does it. Okay, but after that, Shida tells us that they're not seeing eye to eye when it comes to babies. Bilal doesn't understand why she wants to see a fertility specialist. So Shida calls her best friend, uh, Utris, from Trinidad. Utris will be visiting in April, but Shida quickly brings up the fact that Bilal doesn't seem interested in having babies. Utris thinks that he's not taking her feelings into consideration. 
She also thinks that you don't know what the future holds, so you really just can't wait. Shida plans on taking him to court if they don't ha try to have kids by 40 per their prenup agreement. Utris tells Shida a story about her friend who had a partner who wasted her time trying to put off kids just to ultimately change his mind in the end about having kids at all. Shida realizes that she doesn't want to waste the best years of her life waiting around for Bilal to change his mind. Utris tells her she's got to speak up. Bilal and Shida go to a fertility specialist, and Shida is hoping that it will send a message to Bilal to take timing more seriously. Bilal is confused why they're even there, and especially since they haven't even started trying to have kids. He says he will just look at the facts. Bilal feels vindicated when the doctor says they should be trying naturally for six months before taking any additional steps. After hearing Bilal give excuses of why they're waiting, the doctor suggests making a pros and cons list. Shida has a very short cycle, so the doctor suspects a very small ovulation window, and they would need further testing to see if there are going to be any future complications. Bilal walks away hearing that it's better to wait a couple of years than to do anything now. Shida didn't hear that at all, and now she's frustrated at his hard-headedness. <laughs> all right, so... What do you think that the doctor was trying to tell them? <laughs> Wait. Uh, the doctor was trying to tell them you can't have a baby until you both want a baby. Like yeah. that's the that's what the, that's what the doctor was trying to get away okay. from Fair. there. You know, being on the same page and maybe we. Yes. She wasn't saying like it's going to be better medically to wait. He's going to be like it's going to be awful if one of you wants the baby and the other one doesn't. Yeah. Like. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. How do you think Bilal got this message? Oh, better wait a couple years. I Bilal insanely message that would I, I don't know where he came up with that. That was just like yeah, we're having complications due to advanced maternal age. And he was like, well, so waiting a couple years. It's like you know she's gonna be older then, right? Like she's right. gonna be even more advanced. And you heard about her like never ending period. It sounded like I was like, poor lady, she's like menstruating like a third faster than everybody else. It's like man, that sucks. Yeah, and it, yeah that. That does, but it, it also makes sense. It, it also stands to reason why it would be like, why that makes the could have fertility issues, right? Right, because like, you're like as soon as as soon as eggs. she's ovulating, it's like, whoop, nope, no chance. Like, well, there yeah. we go. So there's twofold for that because one, because her cycle is so short, it closes or it makes the window for getting pregnant a lot shorter. And then, but I mean, I guess technically you would have more opportunities at that tiny little window since she's ovulating every like three weeks instead of four weeks. And what I was, you know, I kind of started looking around. It could be an indication that you're not ovulating at all. Oh, interesting. Because then the other thing I was going to say is if you're really, uh, you know, uh, your cycle is so short, it seems like you're just spitting out eggs every three weeks and it's going to you're going to go through your supply a lot faster. Yes, you would. Yes, you would get there, get to the end faster. Right. You'd, right. Be, you'd be closer to being down to that last egg. Right. right. More than anybody else. It's just yeah. it, it, it's insane to feel like to be like to think that any fertility doctor would be like, yes, she's advanced maternal age. But I think you should wait a couple of years. 
that just doesn't make I any sense. I was so, my mind was completely boggled. I'm like, how hard-headed and stubborn and terrible is this person that he heard all of these things? He heard concerns. He heard, like, the need for testing. But at the same time, he was trying to be very diplomatic about it, you know? And he was he was trying to say, like, not that she should wait a couple years because that's the best time physically. It was like, well, clearly you guys need to get on the same page. And, yes. you know, if that takes a couple years, then maybe it would be better to wait, you know, until you were on the same page, not it's better physically in two years. So let's wait two years. Yeah. But I was also very, very confused from the very beginning because Shida in like two consecutive sentences said they have this weird contract in their prenup, mm-hmm. right, that we know about. And we'll talk about that. We'll get to that in a second. But on one sentence, she says, oh, I have a contract that says, you know, we'll wait until I'm 40. And then in the next sentence says, well, the contract says I have to have a baby before I'm 40. And I was like, those are opposite things. You just said the opposite thing. Right. I don't know which is in the contract. I think it's that um, I think it's the first thing where she says that uh, it's uh, they have to start trying before she's 40. Because I feel like she's said something along those lines a couple of times. So I don't. Think- she has. and But then, but he said the opposite, too. Mm-hmm. He said, like. When he mentioned it, that you know, to his mom or whatever, she was like, "Oh, I thought your contract said you weren't going to try until you were forty, until she was 40. Mm. Like, I don't know that either of them know what it says. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so we started talking about this a little bit on our Love After Lockup podcast about uh, prenuptial agreements and, uh, you know, having behavioral uh, clauses in there. And so I did a little bit of searching, mostly for personal interest of uh, my own. So I wasn't looking at Missouri specifically, but I was curious about, you know, Missouri. And just in general, from what I kind of gathered from my research, having behavioral uh, clauses in your uh, prenuptial agreement is very hard to enforce. And so I thought it was really interesting that Shida seems to think that she can sue this guy for money if she doesn't, if they don't start trying for kids by 40 and she's not planning on divorcing him. So it's like, I I don't know if you can do that because she kind of made it seem like that. It's also a ridiculous, like, clause if you even think about like yeah. if they could enforce this clause mm-hmm. make it work then this is a legal regime where you know the judicial branch of a, of a government is mandating that someone have sex with someone else I that, right. <laughs> because and then how would you even enforce that even if you had an enforceable thing we're gonna be like well he agreed we'd try it's like well did you have sex and be like well yeah and it's like he met his part of the agreement then you try right. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I just I don't think Shida should be using this prenup as like, you know, her kind of ace in the pocket, because I feel like that's what she, she's like. Well, I at least have this to fall back on. No, and she's not. It's not going to. It's it's no. it's completely unenforceable. It doesn't. Yeah. It, yeah. And and I don't know. But I also think the entire prenup is probably completely unenforceable based on the way right. we saw it put together. Where she only talked to a lawyer from Trinidad like, oh, and gosh, signed the thing. You know, quite honestly, if she was very smart about this, she really should have just had some eggs frozen, you know, from the moment she got mm-hmm. there. If she was really that concerned about, you know, timing of things, because, I mean, at least freezing your eggs can buy you some time. 
right? And if, you know, uh, in vitro, it, it opens up in vitro as an option as well. So that way, you yeah. know, you can hold off a couple of years. And especially if she's a situation where she has such a small ovulation window, uh, you know, she has a situation where she has dwindling egg counts. It's like, really, she should have thought about this, like, before, screw Bilal, you know, it buys you some time if you really need to get on the same page, but she should have had her eggs frozen. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know. It just it, it's frustrating that it took her so long at this time. She's like, I wonder if he's just trying to put it off. So then at that point, I can't get pregnant anymore. And everybody's like, yeah, that's yeah. obviously what he's doing. <laughs> I know. And I mean, and also with freezing her eggs, that also gives her assurances that if Bilal, you know, doesn't change his mind, that at least she could try with someone else and she hasn't wasted all that time. Yeah. Yeah, because that that's what that that to me is just what's so cruel about Bilal. Right, is just doing that takes away. It's not like she gets another. It's not like you. Well, I took away that opportunity, but there'll be another opportunity later. No, you right. took away her only opportunities to have yeah. kids, and that's just awful. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then you know, yeah, there's so many reasons why I think she should have uh, frozen some eggs. I mean, it's not too late. She still could now, but I I just think it's you know, especially if she's having the situation she that could she have has. Frozen, she could have frozen fresher eggs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. I just uh, well, don't I don't. I don't think it's the fresher eggs part. I think more so it's the it's easier to harvest. Um, to harvest, when there's that makes more sense. of them. Um, the later you wait, the more difficult it is to get enough, like in one round. And so you may have to do like multiple rounds to get enough eggs that you're comfortable with. Yeah. You know, how and many. it's not a, it's not a pleasant procedure. No, it's not. It's not something you have to want to have to go through multiple times. All right. So going on Yara and Jovi. So Yara and Jovi are finally on their way to the green card interview. They're both anxious and excited about getting this thing over with. It's been a two and a half year long process and their lawyer is going to be there with them. So Jovi says he was up till almost 3 a.m. getting the, all the documents together, but wasn't able to find their marriage certificate, which Crazy. seems like a kind of important thing to have. Yeah. But the reason it's missing, they both agree, must be Jovi's fault somehow. <laughs> so anyway, Yara's mind isn't really on the interview because of the war and she just kind of sees it as another thing that she has to do. So the whole point of getting the green card was for her to be able to go back home and she can't do that now. So just like always, we can't see what happens once they walk into the um, into the building. So they pop back out three hours later and still all smiles. The application was approved, even if the whole process was nerve wracking. You know, they didn't have the marriage certificate and they were that, that was a little hairy until they were like, well, here's our daughter. And they were like, oh, OK, we're good. That's fine. So the good news about the delay in processing is that now because it's been over two years since the, since the Yara has been here, they're eligible for a 10-year green card rather than a two-year green card, and it should be in the mail right now. So she, Yara still says as soon as she gets it, she's going to go to Europe to see her mom, which is uh, she's sticking to even over Jovi's protest to, you know, wait, plan things out, wait for him to be done with work. So after all that, Jovi is ready for a drink. And he just wanted to, he wanted to just have time with the two of them, but she kind of made plans to hang out with her girls. And Jovi's like, well, we have a sitter for Mila already and we're out. I'm coming too. So he's going to come even though he wasn't really invited. Um, so and as he walks in, her friends kind of snarkily are like, oh my God, she brought Jovi. Mm. So friend Adele is really shitty about it yeah. and says he shows up at every occasion and he must be trying to control her and keep her in a little box. 
So they tell the they tell the friends that she was approved for the green card and about the trip to Europe and how they split. And this friend's kind of split on it too. So Symphony with the C doesn't think that Yara should go alone. And Adele in Arena, uh, who is also from Ukraine, um, says that it makes sense that you know it can't. She can't wait three full weeks. That's a long, too long of a time. So eventually Yara goes to the bathroom and asks. Um, so and then Yara goes to the bathroom and Jovi starts getting in a conversation about how they're really influential on her, like the fake boobs. Um, and mm-hmm. they, they kind of joke Josh around about that a little bit. But what he really wants is he wants their them to support him. His, you know, kind of side of the argument of want, getting her to wait for him before she goes to Europe. So Irina doesn't really want to support him because she thinks he's too <laughs> controlling. Um, he says – and then they kind of have a disagreement whether he's being controlling or whether he's being protective. So the girls don't still are kind of give him a hard time for being here. They're like, you're in a girls' night out. Of course you're controlling. Um, so they can't decide whether or not – they can't – they still haven't decided what they think about this guy yet even though he predates them in knowing Yara yeah. about whether he's being protective or controlling because um, they think the protective part might just be a pretext. So when Yara comes back, she, I don't know, doesn't even really see the difference between protective and controlling. She's just like both of them have to do with trust. So I don't know. What do you, where do you stand with these, these you know, this disagreement between them? Is, is, is Jovi being more just protective? Is he being controlling or is there not really much of a difference between them? I really think that he is being uh, protective or he's trying to be protective. I definitely was team Jovi uh, this time around. Like even the whole thing about, you know, them giving him a hard time like, oh, you crashed our girls night. It was like the way Jovi described it, if he was being truthful, it just seemed very reasonable. Like Jovi and Yara had their green card interview. So because they had the green card interview, they had a babysitter. And so they had plans to go out. It was Yara who, after the fact, invited her friends to go out because she wanted to celebrate. And it was like, so you got, you crashed on their thing, not the other way around. And so honestly, the reason why I believe Jovi is because Adele is a bitch on wheels. Like she doesn't even try to hide uh, her disdain and hatred towards Jovi. And it's just like, oh, I did not like that at all. Like that kind of negativity. It's like, why is Yara even friends with you? You're terrible. Yeah, I, I that she's awful. Yeah. Like, she was just, oh, you're here. I can't believe you're here. You, yeah. Yeah, just horning in on our shit. Like, what an asshole. Like, God, you're an asshole. Yeah. Just like, I, I, I couldn't even, because I was, I was on board with him. And he, he, the only reason it felt awkward that he was there is because they were bitching about him being there. Right, right. And it didn't have to be like that. And, you know, to the other two friends' uh, defense, like, they were at least polite to Jovi. So it's like, yeah, you might not like that he's there, but he is there. There's no reason to be mean to his face about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to kind of feel a certain way. It's another thing to literally just be mean to his face for being like, you shouldn't be here. Yeah. Like, that's like... Yeah, are you controlling? That's why you're here, you know? Right. And you're like, we were in New Orleans getting the thing and we went out. I didn't want to drive all... Because what's the other option? He drives all the way home. They're in New Orleans. They live like an hour and a half away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like he's going to leave her there and then has to come by and pick her up or, you know, they drive separate. Yeah, that seems unreasonable. Um. I do feel like Jovi kind of crossed the line talking about their plastic surgery and boobs. You know, it's like it's one thing to talk to your wife about it, but to 
even in a joking manner, talk to the other women about that. That's not your place. So it's just like, oh, crossing the line, Jovi. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was, it couldn't, I couldn't, it was one of those jokes where it's like, I think you're joking, but I'm not sure yeah. you're joking. I think you might be serious here. Like, and, oh, yeah. and, because it was, it wasn't just like joking about like that. It was also pretty judgy about them having plastic surgery, right? Yeah, yeah. And Symphony said, yeah, Symphony was like, I haven't had it yet. So it seems like two <laughs> of the four of them have had it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right. Okay. So our last couple we have, oh gosh, an oh, explosive Jesus. one, Angela and oh, Michael. Yeah. All right. So Michael's hanging out at the pool with the, the goofballs, if you recall, they're the friends that Angela doesn't like, uh, getting a swimming lesson. He seems to be terrified of the water, but he makes some progress. He says the last time he was at the pool was eight years ago and he almost drowned. But now he just wants to live life and he wants to challenge himself. The goofballs make fun of Angela's age and call her grandma. And Michael defends his relationship with her, as always. It's been two years, and he says that he really misses her. They've been fighting a lot lately, and the goofballs say they think she's very controlling, and Michael is just scared of her. Michael tells them about his money problems, and the goofballs ask him why he doesn't get a job. Michael says he's not really allowed to get a job because Angela's worried about who he'll meet on the job. Michael says he wants a social life and wants to make some money being an influencer, which is why he started up with his social media again. The goofballs think it's good that he's being a man. Michael says it's a new beginning and he just wants to do what makes him happy. He wants a say in this relationship. The goofballs then invite some girls over to talk with them. Michael doesn't seem really interested in talking to other women, but he does do a little dance for everyone. Later, Angela and her new friend, Renee, land in Nigeria. Angela is trying to catch Michael off guard to determine if he's in this for the green card. Angela is hoping that he's just acting like this because it's been two years since they've seen each other and seeing her will rekindle their connection and he'll start acting right. Angela messages Michael while she's there to take down his Instagram yet again. And he messages back that he is laughing out loud, which has now pissed off Angela enough that she plans on rolling up on him tonight instead of waiting a day like the original plan. She takes the marriage certificate because she wants proof that she has rights to anything he owns when she is exacting her revenge. Angela video calls him to tell him to stay awake, and she threatens him. Angela and Renee roll up to Michael's place, and Angela knocks on Michael's door and yells at him to come out. Angela is crying and yelling and saying that she put her life on pause for him. Michael's not coming out, so she starts ripping. I think those are like bug shields in the front of the car, so she starts ripping that out of uh the car. As Renee yells that Angela's taking apart the car. All right. So I don't even know what to start here, start with here. Um, let's see here. Uh, Michael seems to be defending his relationship to the goofballs. So do you think that he's that's really his mindset or is it the, you know, laugh out loud? Yeah, right. I'm going to take the social media down. Oh my god! I I I couldn't get over how he was like. He texted me laughing out loud, crying face, and then I looked at it. Definitely said LOL. Like oh, yeah. she translated that. He's like she. 
She's like, I must tell everyone that this means laughing out loud. Because I had to look it up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I think her interpretation of that, too. uh, I mean, she even said was like, he's laughing at my pain. And it's like, I don't think that's what he intended when he texted that to you. No, LOL means like, yeah, right, buddy. Like, yeah, right. I'm not taking that down. Right. Um, But yeah, because. I don't know. She's just she's insane. Um, and it kind of gave me a different perspective. Like, I feel like he definitely is. a Well, she's my wife, so I have to try to make something work with her. Mm-hmm. Right. But the way she's been pointing, because this is the first time we've seen her. The way she's been painting it is like he put up the social media, the social media thing just to antagonize me. And that's the only reason it's there. And he's just nope. doing it to piss me off. And now he's shaking me down for money. But when you hear Michael's side, he was like, yeah, she stopped sending me money. So I got an Instagram for money. And now if she wants me to take it down, she give it or give me the money I'm going to make off of it. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. He definitely is. It's for a reason. And it's not as Angela keeps on saying, like flirting with other women. It's like because he's trying to be a Nigerian influencer. I mean, you can tell by, I think they give us a brief little, like, montage of the things that he's been posting. And it's mostly of him heavily filtered, by the way, because I was like, ooh, who's that good-looking guy? And I'm like, that's Michael? Yeah, right. And it's just him, like, doing that little jiggy dance that he was doing at the pool. It's like, all right. Yeah, he's trying to make that that a thing, get some advertising dollars. I don't know. But uh, according to him, most people in Nigeria are influenced. I don't know how you have a society where most people's employment is influencing. I don't know. Yeah, because if you have everyone as an influencer, who are you influencing? Who is buying? Yes, who's being influenced? Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. But I I, and I think it's just he's in the show. He can make cameos. He can do that through his. There was and has an outward facing Instagram and then, you know, do this and I'll, whatever he said, is he trying to monetize it that way? And I, I do. I do believe that she just stopped sending him money because she was keeping it. And this is what he did instead of getting a job. Now, if he mm-hmm. would have actually defied that and just been like, yes, yeah, screw you. I'm getting a job, lady. Like, yeah. Then I think it would have been better for everyone involved. She would have less room to be like, look at him doing shady shit. Right. If it was like, look at him doing shady shit, like working at Jiffy Lube. Like, that's just a job. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's the other thing that confuses me because they've talked about him not being able to get a job before. And what I mean, like, not able to, like, not permitted by Angela. And originally it was because they were saying that Angela needed 24-7 access to him in case she had some emotional breakdown. And because of the time difference, like, he was, you know, it was the middle of the night for him when she wanted to talk to him. And so she was essentially paying him to be, like, constantly available. So, you know, we went from that, which is what has been presented to us in seasons past, to what we have now, which is, like, Oh, she's afraid he'll meet people on the job. Yeah, which is a completely unreasonable thing. And, and and yeah. Both of them are unreasonable. I And I also think that it's like, I think she's not as sneaky as she thought it was. Because I, I feel like mm-hmm. when she got to the point where she was like yelling at him on the phone, you better stay awake. You better stay awake. You're getting the shock of your life. He'd been like, wait a second. It's like two in the morning in America right now. She's talking about the shock of my life. I think I know what's going on. And <laughs> I'm not opening the door when she gets here. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. And she just has that attitude, that thing where she was like, 
yeah, it, it just it's also just crazy. It's like that's your solution. Your solution to this marriage thing was to go and cause a domestic violence scene in Nigeria, so possibly you get arrested. That was the idea. I know that's what you're going for. I love that she brings the marriage certificate. Like that will somehow like you know help her situation. Like if the police roll up, uh, lady, you're smashing the windows of his car, and she's like, "Here's my marriage certificate. It's my car." And yeah. they'll be like, "That's not how it works. We're under arrest." Right. Like. Yeah, she's she's crazy. Yeah. But yet none of this surprises us, right? We've seen explosive Angela before. No, they- no. This is where she gets. And it's like and he's right not to come out. What's he going to do? What's he going to do when he comes out and engage her? What, what's going to happen? Then? Right. They did take a couple seasons to try like uh, rehabilitate her image. But I think she's over that now. She's just like, whatever. She is. But but she's so invested this season of Mm. trying to paint this picture where she's the victim yeah and nobody's buying it no not at all at all especially if you're (laughs) you know destroying someone's car rolling up on them and threatening to like break everything well then she said she says the things could you imagine you know having to see your person flirt with somebody else online when they promise your life like yeah i could imagine that because that's exactly what you're doing to him yeah with billy stripper billy (laughs) with billy so yeah let's imagine that for a second like literally everything she says she's hurt she's hurt by is like but that's what you're doing yeah, I mean, especially when you bring that up, because, I mean, the only thing that she really has on Michael is, like, the potential for him to flirt with other people. It's like he's not actually flirting with other people. Right, right. He just could be yeah. behind the scenes yeah. that you don't know about. It's like. Right, right. Okay, so we didn't hear from Jenny and Summit this week. So out of the group, who was your student of the week? <sighs> This I found this one really tough. Yeah, agreed. I was I was going and so I went with Liz mm-hmm. like for at least considering the right things in the marriage. You see so many times they're like the thing I'm worried about is and it's like that's not the thing you should be worried about. You should be worried about something different, right? And at least this time she I mean well maybe not the right things. Once you get past the fact that she chose Ed, yeah. like the right things with the <laughs> right, after that. Right. Um, she was barely in it, but my student of the week this week was Libby because I think she is starting to realize that it's her family and I, and she was very diplomatic on how she worded it too. She said how it makes her feel and how it negatively, her family negatively affects her feelings. Right. And so she was able to identify that without throwing anyone under the bus um, and so, I mean, I think it's a step in the right direction, but she now has to take that next step, which is communicating with them that that's her feeling and not Andre. So they won't just assume it's Andre right. trying to well, keep that, that, them. Because they were out with Andre's dad yeah. and, and their daughter and Andre. And she's like, we had an awesome day yeah. at the Manatee Sanctuary. Like, I was no stress. It was fun. Like, this is what it's supposed to feel like. Right, right. It's not supposed to feel like it usually does. Plus... You know, I, oh, I did almost give it to Andre just because he was really, really into those manatees, man. <laughs> he was. I mean, I every time I see Andre with uh, Ellie, he is such a cute dad with her. Like, remember him playing Barbies with her last week? It's just, it is adorable. I also love that he was a stay-at-home dad for like the first you know, year and a half at least. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's very cute to see that relationship. Um yeah. Uh, also, I would say that Ellie is starting to get out of her awkward 
like baby phase i thought she was a very weird looking child she's actually like growing (laughs) into her features and uh she's getting to be real cute right now all right so class dunce i went with usman okay um just for that just first of all he used his birthday as a test to see if his girlfriend would behave (laughs) like those are the words that he said I want to make sure she's going to behave and then pulled that nonsense about like, well, I'm giving up as all the other women I could be with instead I'm with you. Well, that's 80 percent. Yeah, it's just stupidity on his part, too. It's like uh, I think most people can keep it together for, you know, a couple hour event. So you want to base like the rest of your life on the fact that Kim kept it together for a couple of hours. It's like, what about all the time she flipped out on you before? It's like, all right. Yeah, like when when she knew everything was on the line too. Like right, yeah. right, exactly. Uh, okay, so uh, I said that my dunce this week was a uh, Bilal. It's like you're not even mm. hearing anything you don't want to hear at this point. You're making you're making up a narrative. I kind of thought it was like the Dumb and Dumber thing, you yeah. know, where she's like, even if you were maybe if you were the last person on earth, he was like, so right. you're saying there's a chance, right? Yeah, it's just he like, didn't even I, he went beyond that. Yeah. He, he went, it was like, it was like, no, but it's the opposite. That what you just said, what you just heard is the opposite of what he right. told you. I'm yeah. just like, oh, man, I just ugh, I was yelling at my television when he said that. I was like, what is wrong? That is not what was said at all. <laughs> oh, goodness. OK, what about your life lesson? All right. So my life lesson is to try to if you want to make a serious point, try to avoid some of the more politically charged words mm-hmm. um i'm not going to take you seriously if you told me you were canceled oh gosh i'm gonna be like <laughs> yes. oh so you were an asshole and we stopped take, paying attention to you oh that's what you meant okay, oh, okay. as soon as he was like if you could and the thing is to me if you might have a legitimate point about how you were unfairly treated but as soon as you say canceled right like half, sure. of the, half of the country is not listening to you anymore so it's <laughs> like oh you're full of shit okay i get it now moving on my goodness. Yeah, it also seems like uh, you're trying to be funny, I guess, about it, you know, or uh, I don't know, kind of trendy about but it, was I like, guess. He very much was said all, he said all the truth. If I, it can happen to me, it can happen to you. You're going to be next. It's like, <laughs> yeah. no, just don't punch your brother-in-law at a barbecue. Like, it's <laughs> not canceled, man. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, my life lesson is actually for Yara, I guess more Yara. Uh, You shouldn't have any friends that blatantly hate on your partner and don't even make any attempts to hide it or even match your tone. Because I get it that sometimes you have that friend that, you know, it's like, oh, you're complaining about your partner and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I I support you. I, I can see that. I can see that, you know, there can be a jerk sometimes and, you know, whatever. At least matching the tone. But it's like Yara's coming in there. She has no bone to pick with Jovi. All of a sudden Adele is like attacking him for no reason and like what terrible person he is it's like come on now Yara shouldn't even be around that it's just you know I'm with Jovi on this one like that's you don't need to be hearing that in your ear no yeah I mean I don't know why you would want to be hearing that in your ear Mm -hmm. like that's that it was just so shitty Yeah. yeah yeah All right, so uh, we will be back next week with this group, hopefully Summit and Jenny as well. Uh, we are kind of in the middle of the season, it seems like. So Yeah, we're definitely in the, definitely in the thick of things. Yep, so as far as we know, we're going to keep going, and so we'll be back this time next week. 
All right, we'll see everybody then. Okay, until then. Okay. Bye. Bye.